Right. Notre Dame fans, Cub fans, Sox fans, any sort of, uh, um, you know, baseball fan or, or, like I said, Notre Dame or, you know, just any sports fan there is. Welcome to welcome to the show. This is our, our episode two of the Golden Homers uh, podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Mason Plummer. Uh, Mason, how are you doing today? Doing really well, man. Just getting home from work, actually. Late day, but uh, I'm, I'm really excited to, to talk some sports with you and uh, just get the second episode on the road. Yeah, no, really happy about kind of the stuff we're going to we're going to go through Uh, for anybody wondering a little. uh, Well, first of all, check us out on our Twitter um, or on on each of our Twitter handles. My Twitter handle is Nathan underscore Erbach. That's Nathan underscore E-R-B-A-C-H. Mason, tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, Mason Plummer underscore. It's P-L-U-M-M-E-R two M's, not like the job. Perfect. Perfect. I was thinking it was like the job, to be honest with you, but I figured it ran in the family or something. Uh, that would be sweet though my brother and i talked about you know if our careers fall apart plumbers plumbing i mean that's that's made oh 100 percent. i mean if any and they make good money you should think about it right a little Um, bit gross but you know it is what it is right right and again right again before we get started check us out um google podcast spotify um breaker wherever you check out your podcast i'm not sure we're on apple podcast yet that hasn't been made known to us here we use the anchor podcast um so shout out anchor for that as well really good um you know podcasting app to kind of get you started where you can do things on the go um you can do it on the computer um everything like that so we appreciate anchor for supporting us and uh, appreciate you guys for supporting us as well um like i said right now we are on spotify google podcast breaker i'm hoping to be on apple here very soon um just a quick rundown of what we're looking at today for the podcast we're going to talk a little bit of uh, breakout players at notre dame we have four guys we want to mention two on offense two on defense uh kevin austin we know we know as as notre dame fans kevin austin's going to be hopefully a big part of the offense this year uh notre dame did pick up a a new 2023 commit and a don schuler we're going to talk a little bit where we see him, uh, you know, fitting into maybe the, the Marcus Freeman led defense here in the next couple of years. Um, and then maybe a, a, a soon to be uh, commit um, as well um, in the 2023 class, I think might be turned in Notre Dame. Um, new uh, kind of a new profile we're starting. It's called the prospect profile because the Cubs are, are, are nowhere to be found in the playoff race. So we are looking at, um, uh, a, pro- a prospect profile. We're going to uh, profile Brennan Davis today. The Cubs top prospect, pretty self-explanatory on that end. Um, and then Mason's going to do a little socks talk with you at the end of the show uh, to kind of wrap things up. So um, without further ado, let's go ahead and get started here. Uh, Mason, Kevin Austin, we both, you know, we both have probably been talking about him here for, you know, the last <laughs> several years, um, it seems. And in all reality, it has been several years. I think he was a, what, 2018 uh, yeah. Notre Dame um, you know, uh, he was part of the 2018 class, um, came in with a lot of fanfare. I know he was a guy that I think his final two were, or his, his final couple schools were like Notre Dame, Clemson, Florida, Miami, something like that. Um, he was obviously from Florida. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, SEC, ACC. Um, and I think when it really came down to it, I think it came down to Notre Dame, Miami and Clemson, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, but ever since he's been on campus, I mean, he's been a guy that fans have been talking about. He's been off, often injured or had some off the field, you know, issues that have kept him, you know, off the field, I guess. <laughs> and um, they, uh, but no, he's, he's back. He looks healthy. He's coming off of the, uh, you know, the injury that 
sort of, I think he, and we didn't know if he was going to need surgery last year. He ended up having surgery, was out for the entire season for the most part. Um, but he's, he's looking good. And, you know, I, I, he's probably the key to the offense in all reality, right? Yeah, he's got to be. I think for Notre Dame to, to reach his lofty expectations, you know, Notre Dame as it is right now, and as it'll always be is national championship or bust. Nobody's, Nobody's happy until Notre Dame's winning national championships regularly, and Kevin Austin is the key cog to that. I think the floor is at 10 wins, as we mentioned last week, which is great, but now you got to get to that national championship, and Kevin Austin's a, a national championship caliber player. Um, he opens up the offense for everybody, including Michael Mayer, Braden Lindsay, and guys like that, and you mentioned the hype that Austin's had. Man, it's been going on almost five years now. You, you start to know the names of the guys in the 2018 class and 2016, starting to build towards 2017, and he, he'll end up signing in, in 2017. So then you're, you're constantly looking forward to, when, when am I going to see Kevin Austin on the field? He, he made a, a small impression against Navy. I remember a couple nice catches his freshman year, and then we haven't really seen much of him since. But from everything that we've been reading and kind of analyzing of Kevin Austin, his, the separation he's getting off of some decent corners that Notre Dame has. Of course, that's a position of a little bit of weakness, but Kevin Austin is really balling out in practice and you're hoping he can stay healthy. Nathan, you mentioned that injury that took him out last year, that fifth metatarsal. It's an injury that's uh, I'm not a doctor by any means, but mm -hmm. from what I understand, it's an injury that is, is easy to, to re-break. It's easy to re-break that fifth metatarsal and you've got to hope he stays healthy because I think he's the key cog to, I think, like we mentioned, Notre Dame's a 10-win team at the very minimum. But I think he, with an outstanding season, he pushes Notre Dame into the 11 and 12, potentially pushing for the college football playoff yet again. Yeah, I think he actually had the same injury, if I'm not mistaken, as Bonzi Colson did in his final yeah. year um, on the basketball team. And, you know, we saw how that, you know, kind of took – you know, ru ruined his final season. And when he came back, it, 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 it didn't do him any, um, you know, do him any help either, you know, for his, his draft stock and all that kind of stuff. So hopefully, hopefully that's the last bit of it for Austin. Hopefully the surgery kind of takes care of that and he doesn't really have to worry about it at least this season and beyond. Are you um, still the president of the Bonzi Colson fan club? I remember that was your, your bio for a minute there. Oh, hundred percent. Bonzi should be in the NBA. Uh, there, there's, uh, and, and fans, we're going to, we're going to talk about some Notre Dame basketball here. Um, not necessarily on today's show, but just in general, uh, me and Mason follow the, uh, the basketball team very well. Um, you know, and, uh, yeah, no, bon Bonzi's probably my favorite Notre Dame athlete of all time, if we're being completely honest, uh, which is so clutch. And that was unfortunate that, that break sucked. And he was just so electric on the court and you have to imagine that he would be on a roster by now. And it, 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 he never really looked the same to me um, after that injury. And maybe you have a differing opinion, but uh, yeah, that just sucks for Bonzi. But I know, yeah, I know he's still balling out, not quite in the NBA, but he's still balling doing his thing. Yeah, no, I mean, he just won MVP in whatever league he was in this past year. And I, I know he's, he's slimmed down a little bit. He's really embraced the fact that he's probably more of a small forward um, you know, at the, uh, you know, at the professional level. Um, so he's, you know, he's hitting more, he's hitting threes with more frequency and stuff like that. And, you know, and able to drive to the, to the hole and defend those positions a little bit better. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, we don't have to get on a Bonzi, a Bonzi Colson tangent here. Cause I, I think we both know um, that he would be an effective NBA player if given the opportunity. Yeah. Um, and I know you could talk about Bonzi for hours. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, just kind of getting back on Kevin Austin for, for, for a quick second, uh, echoing a lot of what you said. I mean, he really turns Notre Dame into that, you know, 10 win floor this year to maybe an 11 and one or 12, uh, 12 win team. Um, they, that was one thing they really missed last year after, you know, losing Chase Claypool, losing Miles Boinkin the year before that, um, you know, losing Cole Komet. And they didn't really have – I mean, Michael Mayer obviously was a tremendous freshman. But when you look at his overall numbers, he was just that. He was a freshman. He, he was dominant at, in spurts. But he wasn't a guy that was maybe ready to, like, just take the reins and be an absolute dude um, that's going to win you a national championship per se. Um, Kevin Austin, I know he hasn't necessarily had the opportunity to do that yet. Um, you know, at the, you know, at Notre Dame, but, but he's been in the program for a while. The, the weight, the, um, I think he's college ready in that aspect of, you know, um, you know, and all that kind of jazz, but no, he, he needs to stay healthy. Uh, he could really, you know, add to this offense um, that I don't think any other player um, can do. I mean, obviously Braden Lindsay can take the top, the top off the defense, um, you know, Avery Davis is going to be, I think just a really solid player, obviously the run, the running game we, we both believe in. Um, but if they want to have a guy that can maybe go off and have a chase Claypool senior level season, it, it's Kevin Austin. Yeah, absolutely. And he just opens up everything for everybody else. I think your, your main three are obviously going to be Kevin Austin, Michael Mayer, and then Kyron Williams, and maybe a one, a one B Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree coming out of the backfield, both are more than capable of catching passes out of the backfield, turning it upfield, and then being a home run hitter. So when when Kevin Austin is able to stretch the field and uh, just be able to work all, all along the field, because he has a full route tree, he can really do it all. He can go up and get it. He can run past you too. So I think it's important that he opens up the offense and well, Jack Cohn's willing to throw the deep ball. But and, um, and he opens up everything, and then you get guys like Avery Davis and Braden Lindsay who can kill you too. So it just he adds an a just important element to what Notre Dame wants to do and what Tommy Reese ultimately wants to do and this season. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. So I, I know we wanted to get into some breakout players as well. Um, I, I kind of teased the fact that we have two defensive guys, two offensive guys. Um, I think all four guys that we both kind of generally agree with. Um, you know, I think we could start, you know, maybe at the corner position in Cam Hart. Um, something that they, you know, they need to improve on. I mean, they lost, you know, they lost Troy Pro- Troy Pride a few years ago. Julian Love's been out of the program now for, you know, for two, three seasons. Um, they, they were lucky enough to have Clarence Lewis really step up last year as a freshman and obviously the, the transfer in Nick McLeod. So they ended up having a pretty steady, um, you know, cornerback you know, position last year, T- Tariq Bracey was a little disappointing at times, um, especially I think maybe closer to the end of the season last year. And then they've asked him to, um, they've asked him to step up. Um, it looks like he might actually have an opportunity to, to move into the slot uh, hopefully this year, but, uh, but Cam Hart is, is really the guy I'm looking at, um, you know, third year in the program now uh, came in as a, uh, as a wide receiver has since tra- uh, role a big guy he's like six two six three um has a lot of athleticism overall um wasn't maybe maybe didn't come to Notre Dame with the fanfare or the recruiting fanfare I should say um you know that um you know that some other guys did um but I think his his athletic profile and just his build overall um you know he, he could be a really dominant uh cornerback at least at the collegiate level uh with his size and I think his overall speed 
Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And you hit the nail on the head, really. The length is what attracts you to Cam Hart. You have guys with speed. You have the short, choppy guys. But Cam Hart is really what puts this cornerback room potentially over the top if he hits like many people think that he could this year. You mentioned Clarence Lewis's breakout was huge. One of those corners had to hit. I think Ramon Henderson will as well. We haven't heard much from Caleb Oford. I think he's kind of buried in the depth chart at the moment, but he's got plenty of time with the guys we're seeing succeed. Uh, Oford has plenty of time to kind of sit back, learn, and really get, grow into the corner that he wants to be. Um, I think Henderson is going to challenge and treat Bracey at the slot. I think that's, that's important for, uh, for Bracey to have some competition because we saw him struggle quite a bit last season. And I think Cam Hart really passed him up and is going to take his spot officially this year. And I think he's going to have a lot of success. You mentioned that Hart was a transition. Uh, he moved from receiver to corner. He has the hands, he has the size, the athleticism. And uh, I really like the length in corners that guys were able to stretch out and really pat, uh, just pat a ball away, slap it down. And rather than, relying on their speed constantly. So I, I really like the intangibles with and the measurables with Cam Hart. I'd like to see it on the field. We haven't seen a ton of him, but I'm excited to see what Mike Mickens and, and Marcus Freeman do with him. I know that they're really high on his upside, and I think this could be a, a real breakout year for Cam Hart. You know, it's funny you mentioned the – I mean, I, I know I mentioned it first, but then you kind of expanded on it with the the moving from wide receiver to, to corner and having, you know, maybe the uh, – uh, the ability to like kind of turn and run with the receiver and almost run his right. route, route per se. And, and and that's one thing I think Notre Dame's done a really good job at. Uh, just look at Clarence Lewis. I don't think Clarence Lewis was much of a corner at the high school level, but that's what Notre Dame recruited him at. They, they loved what he could maybe bring to that side of the ball. And look what he did in pretty much his first full season as a, as a corner. And it was at the highest level. Um, or, or one of the highest levels of football, um, you know, and then I was as a true freshman, a three-star guy out of New Jersey. I think he was at a kind of like a smaller, a smaller Catholic private school um, in New Jersey. And so, yeah, no, I mean, no, Notre Dame has had some success with guys moving from the wide receiver position to corner. And, and I don't see why Cam, Cam Hart wouldn't follow suit with that. Um, moving on, we'll stay on the defensive side of the ball here. Riley Mills. I mean, obviously he, Way different from Cam Hart in in regards to his recruiting profile. Came in as a top 150 kid. I think me and you both even thought a little bit more highly of him than that um, when he was a recruit. I mean, he was a guy that was probably a consensus top three or four player um, in their recruiting class a few years back. Just a a, a huge kid out of out of uh, Illinois. Um, if I'm right, right? He went to he was from Illinois. Am I correct on that? I don't remember off the top of my head. I will find out though. But anyways, me and you should know this. We, we follow. I should know it. There's just so many names. That yeah, he's, a, he's a northern suburb, Lake Forest. Lake Forest. That's right. Gotcha. Yeah. My fault, guys. But anyways, um, big, big kid. He put on 15, 20 pounds, I think, uh, in the offseason. And that's been a, a, a point of emphasis um, that's been talked about a lot. Um, you know, over the last couple of weeks, um, you know, on the on the you know the, the main Notre Dame sites, but you know, with with uh, NTA kind of moving over to the strong side defensive end, uh, Riley Mills could probably play that position with him a little bit, but he can also you know be inside and be kind of like the what. You know, to MTA and, and sort of be that guy that gives you a lot of snaps um, as the backup. Um, you know, and we might be talking about him, you know, a year from now, taking that job over from Jason Adamaloa. 
Yeah, I think it's definitely possible. And he, just his development already, we knew he was going to come in and be a beast and really challenge for snaps. And he got a decent amount of snaps last year. But this was the year I was really looking forward to Riley Mills making an impact and just asserting himself in whatever position they want to line him up as. You know, he, he's so versatile. I think he can play anywhere along the defensive line. You want him rushing the pass or you want him clogging up le- running lanes? He can do it all. He's just so big. He's athletic and fast as well he's really what you want in a defensive lineman and I just love the versatility really and I think that's what makes him a great breakout candidate is that he's not stuck in the big end he's not stuck in the viper position he can I really think he can do it all he might not play all of them but if, I mean if you're in a pinch and you really need him to I think he can so that's what I really like about Riley Mills and we're hearing great things about him from practice reports already I just can't wait uh, to see him really lay it on somebody I, he didn't have a ton of opportunities last year to to really hit somebody but Nathan I remember you and I talking about his film and man, some of the hits he's putting on these quarterbacks you just got to feel bad for him yeah, no, absolutely. And speaking of uh, some versatility, just moving over to the offensive side of the ball, a guy you actually mentioned right before we started was um, or was Michael Carmody, um, a guy that Brian Kelly seems to be on, says he can sort of be the Robert Hainsey of their their offensive line, essentially meaning he could play any spot, you know, whether that's tackle, guard, center. Um, I think he filled in uh, at left tackle here over the last couple of days when, uh, you know, when Blake Fisher was out. Um, I believe with a concussion, if I'm not mistaken, um, or in concussion protocol, I should say. Um, yeah. And, and but he's a guy that you know I think early on there there was some center talk, there was some right tackle talk. Um, so no, he's a guy that I think he might be their sort of like their sixth man per se. Um, you know, on the offensive line, and when someone gets hurt, he's that guy that can come in and play any spot. Yeah, and that's so huge to have. And I, I like the Robert Hainsey comparison in the sense that he can play all five. But when being the sixth man, it's just such a valuable guy. He's kind of like this year's Josh Lug. We expect Josh Lug right. to, to start on the offensive line and be a dominant, uh, I believe, right tackle. Is that right, Nathan? For Josh Lug, yeah, absolutely. Right. So Josh Lug's finally getting his chance to to really dominate in snaps and be a starter when he he would start on 90%, if not 95% of the other schools in the country. He's a, he's a real big talent and people are finally going to see that this year, but he was that Swiss army knife, the guy that's the sixth man coming off the bench, no matter what position you need him at. And that's so big for Carmody, who's still a young guy in the program and has plenty of time to develop. And you just got to hope he stays healthy. And his brother seems to not be able to, and for the basketball team, but both are just freak athletes. And I think Notre Dame's lucky to have both of them. Yeah, no, and I, I love the comparison to Lug. I mean, he played a little center last year when they needed to. He played right guard, started a few games there. Obviously, he's trimmed down this year. He's officially back to maybe his best position in, at right tackle um, or just tackle in general. And I, and I think that's right. exactly what Carmody is going to do. I mean, if if, uh, if Patterson goes down, I mean, you'll probably move Carell uh, over to, to, to center. But then, you know, Carmody or Lug can move to right guard. Or Lug can tackle. If Lug goes down, you just you you sub in Carmody right there, then and there, and so yeah, he could play a variety of roles uh, for you. I mean, obviously he's showing that he can maybe be their left tackle as well. Um, you know, if Fisher's if if Fisher's out, so no, I mean that, that's a good problem to have, um, and you know I, I think that that means that he might he might not be a player this year, but. Any, anybody goes down, he could essentially be that breakout player. Um, moving on, staying on the offensive side of the ball, kind of staying in line a little bit as well. Um, and this actually another guy you brought up uh, was Kevin Bauman. Um, you know, it's funny. I hadn't heard too much about Kevin Bauman, at least recently. I know early reports were shown 
he was a guy that was probably going to be the number two behind Michael Mayer. Um, but then I think he dealt with a little bit of an injury during the, during the summer or spring and, and was out. So we didn't get to see much of him. Um, but, uh, but you, it looks like you saw some reports today that, you know, he, he was doing really well in practices and, and he might, he, he might've taken back over that tight end two role from George Takis. Yeah. That shout out to the guys at 24 seven sports for always providing great information. And I was reading up on that today and yeah, I'm just really liking what I'm hearing of, about Kevin Bauman. And I think with all the hype that surrounded Michael Mayer, people forget about Kevin Bauman and he's considered a gem in just about every other recruiting class. But you, I mean, you, you land a five-star generational tight end and, the second guy tends to get forgotten about and I totally, I understand it, but Bauman's a good recruit, you know, in his own right. And I, if he wasn't a top 20, uh, 247 recruit, then he's damn close to it. And he's a stud really. And I think that he's asserting himself as that number two tight end. The tactics has had his chance um, there. Of course, there's plenty of guys that were in front of him over the past handful of years, some talented guys that are, you know, Comet tremble that are in the NFL now, but tactics has had his chance and Bauman's really asserting himself as the as the number two tight end although I think that tactics is still going to play a big role um, he's a better blocker than Bauman but Bauman's another really good receiver that I think Jack Cohn is going to have a chance to look for and when all the attention's on Michael Mayer who knows if you just slip Kevin Bauman down the seam and he's gone yeah I mean and just to kind of go off Bauman a little bit I mean he was a guy that from an athletic standpoint could have probably played defensive end at the college level as well so that kind of t- just tells you something there I mean he had offers from you know most of the Big Ten Michigan Nebraska um, were, were two big schools after him I know he had offers from Texas A&M um, North Carolina as well so maybe he wasn't like the recruit that like you said Michael Mayer was obviously with with Michael Mayer being a five-star guy um, you know but when you have offers as a tight end specifically from from schools like Michigan Boston College um, you know Texas A&M th- those are schools that put tight ends in the league on a pretty consistent basis as well maybe not to the extent Notre Dame does um, but th- but those teams do well at that position and no he's he's definitely a guy I expect uh, if he gets the opportunity um you know, which is crazy these days at Notre Dame. I mean, they're pretty much recruiting two tight ends a year. So they, some of these guys are either going to transfer out or just, you know, not play play the role that we think, you know. Right. But then you, you think of a guy like a Durham Smythe really turned on as a, you know, as an upperclassman and ends up going in as a fourth round pick or whatever. And he's still with the Miami dolphins as a, as a pretty good player that kind of goes, you know, unseen a little bit because of the role he plays. Wouldn't be surprised if that's something that happens with a guy like Kevin Bauman down the road, you know, starts more as a senior when Michael Mayer's already gone, you know, but, but has a really solid season in his final year at Notre Dame and goes on to, you know, be a pretty high, high draft pick. Yeah. And you mentioned that Notre Dame's essentially, taking two tight ends every year in every recruiting class, which wasn't always the case. But, when, I mean, it's a good problem to have when you're losing one to the NFL every year. You kind of have to do that. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Um, let's move on here a little bit. Um, Notre Dame got another 2023 commit or another commit, I should say, in general from the last time we spoke. We did mention that this could possibly be happening. Um, Adon Schuler technically on on most of the recruiting services but it looks like Notre Dame uh, likes him at safety uh, top 200 kid on 24/7 sports on the positives you know ranked 242 um, you know as a already has offers from a quarter Dame, big time offers um, you know down to Penn, Maryland, Notre Dame 
had an offer from Florida, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so a kid that has, even as, like I said, a 2023 kid had a pretty high level offer list. Um, you know, and I think that just speaks, you know, again, to the Marcus Freeman effect, their 2023 class already has three four-star legitimate four-star guys uh, in the fold. Um, what, what do you think of a Don Schuler, Mason? I like his film a lot. And I think it's important to remember, I read this other day and it blew my mind that he's playing a year above what he should be. So he's just about to turn 16. So this film that we're seeing is very raw and he's not nearly the size that he will be once he's actually attending Notre Dame. So when I looked up his measurables, when I kind of saw that, you know, this could be a thing that he could be coming to Notre Dame, I was kind of turned off by him being six foot. And if you're listed at six foot, that means you're probably five, 10, five, 11. So mm-hmm. that's not really what I want to see in my safeties, but he's going to continue to grow. I mean, I, I'm sure you and I weren't the same size that, that we were at 18 or 19 when we were 16. So he's, and he's only about to turn 16. So I think it's, a, that's important to that people realize that, and he's only going to continue to get better. And he already looks like a stud athlete as it is. So um, I, I think it's a good pickup. I, I think it's uh it's a good pickup for Marcus Freeman already looking like you mentioned at the 2023 class and locking down some guys that want to commit and get their spot locked down early. I think that's important. And it shows that guys really want to play for Marcus Freeman. And I'm sure there's a, there's a line of guys that are, uh, that are excited to, to be committed to Notre Dame. And that's, I think we're going to see some more here soon, but uh, potentially on the offensive side. About you, I was fatter at 16 than I was at 17, 18, 19, though, to be honest. I was still in prime soccer shape, so I was <laughs> not. But uh, I, I started hitting the weights and finally got away from about a buck 40. Oh, man. Different paths. Different paths. That's funny. I think we weigh about the same now, but we it took, it took us a little bit. It took us a little different path to get to that, to get to those. Uh, to get to the, um, oh, yeah. High school on. soccer will absolutely kill you. I feel you. I feel you. I'm going off. I mean, kind of just echoing a little bit what you said. I mean, the Marcus Freeman effect really is real. Um, and I think the fact that they wanted this commitment so early, I mean, we, we see so often that Notre Dame will tell guys to hold off because especially as a 2023 kid where there's still two years of high school football film to see, you know, a lot of the times they tell kids to hold off unless it really is just like a truly elite guy. And it, so it just goes to show you what they feel about this kid in general. Yeah, I think it's it's important to realize that, too, that, you know, Notre Dame doesn't take just anybody. And I don't think people realize that sometimes that, you know, I'm sure there's been dozens of names that maybe we don't even know that guys that wanted to commit Notre Dame's like, mm, I don't know. But the fact that they're willing to accept a Don Schuler's commitment so early when they have so many defensive backs that are so highly rated. And of course, ratings aren't everything, but they're so highly rated and that we, we really think Notre Dame has a shot with that, that speaks volumes to what they really think of what Schuler can become as a player. Of course. Of course. All right. Let's talk a little baseball. Um, start with the, uh, start with the Cubs. Like I said earlier in the show, we're going to do a new uh, prospect profile, um, you know, specifically for the Cubs, um, they have their, their farm systems, you know, moving up the ranks a little bit. Um, you know, obviously with the season that they're having, um, you know, sometimes, you know, fans don't necessarily get to hear so much specs, but I know me and Mason, um, you know, mentioned, um, you know, this in our last episode that I'm, I've always been a big prospect guy. I, I do work in baseball and it's always kind of been one of my passions to, to sort of, and especially in that realm, like the scouting and all that kind of stuff, it's, it's kind of what I like to do, um, you know, and I get paid a little bit to do it as well. So, um, Brennan Davis specifically, 
Um, he, he is the Cubs best prospect right now. Um, uh, he's probably the best prospect they've had since Chris Bryant, which is very high praise. Um, you know, obviously Chris Bryant, I think was by the time he got to the Cubs was the number one or two prospect in baseball. He was the second pick in the draft. Um, Brennan Davis was, took a little bit different route. He was a high school signee, um, out of Arizona was a basketball first guy for his dad is actually Reggie Theus, uh, who went to UNLV. Um, and, and uh, Brennan Davis was, was possibly going to take that route at one point and probably would have been playing a high level division one basketball um, if he didn't end up signing, um, you know, as a baseball prospect a few years back, but he's climbed the ranks. I mean, he's now in double a, um, he's been raking in double a all season. Pretty much. He started, he played, I think eight games early on um, for South bend, uh, which is the, uh, the high end um, or the, the high a affiliate for the Cubs. Uh, but now he is in uh, Tennessee with the Tennessee Smokies at for, for, uh, uh, for the Cubs. And, um, yeah, 21 years old. I mean, he's hitting pretty much like 280 on base percentage over 400. One of the younger guys, you know, in double A. So what what he's doing at the age 21 is pretty much against pitching that 80% of the time is older than him. Um, slugging, you know, five 540 ish uh, OPS almost that, you know, a little under a thousand. But you know, this is a and he's and he's a and he's big. He's six four, two twenty. Um, he's a kid that's, you know, probably not going to end up at center field or, or in center field when he gets to the big leagues, at least long term, uh, probably a left or right field profile, but has the arm strength um, to 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 sort of be in that uh, position as well. Um, but no, I mean, he, he this is a guy that if if you're a Cub fan, you don't follow prospect status. Just just honestly think of guys like Chris Bryant. Think of guys like you know Anthony Rizzo and Javi Baez that came up and and were really really good baseball players at least at one point in their career. Um, and and uh, he's the next in line. And you know it's funny. I wouldn't necessarily be shocked if he gets called up to AAA here over the next couple of weeks. So he gets maybe one month of AAA ball. Um, you know, and then who knows from there? Maybe he ends up you know on the on the Cubs opening day roster. Maybe he, um, you know, maybe he plays a little triple A ball next year and then gets called up halfway through the season. I mean, we know that service time is a big deal for some of these teams, depending on the new CBA and how that all works, um, you know, with service time. But uh, no, it just wouldn't surprise me if Brennan Davis was up with the Cubs um, early on next year, contributing at a really high level. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me either. I mean, uh, coming from a Sox fan, not to sound like an ass, but you got to find a, a way to sell tickets and, um, that's the, I mean, that's what you have to do is bring up the guys that, that are exciting, the guys that the fans want to see and not necessarily your double a roster that the Cubs have been trotting out right now, but guys that really have the potential to be like one of the best in the league. And Brennan Davis has the potential to do that. I think he can be one of the stars of the entire league and a really star, a star outfielder. He has the tools to do so. I, um, the Cubs obviously are very good at, continuing to grow their players you know you you bring in a guy that has the tools but what can you do to develop them and the Cubs have done a good job of of bringing in their top talent and making them into formidable players and and good players in the in the in the major leagues so I think that Brennan Davis sooner rather than later will be on the on the major league roster and contributing in a big way and he has big role and big shoes to to fill so uh, hopefully that pressure doesn't get to him but I think he he's the he's a kid that's made that's made for it and uh, I think he'll look good in the in the Cubs jerseys. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, mean, I think, like I said, if you're not a prospect guy, this is definitely someone you want to keep in mind, um, you know, for the foreseeable future in a Cubs uni. 
he's never going to, he's not going to be a guy that they're looking at trading to, to accumulate, you know, some guys to, to make them better. He's going to make them better sooner rather than later. Um, it won't be this year per se, but again, 21 years old, probably makes his major league debut at the age of 22 um, and, and should play a long time in a Cubs uniform. Um, Mason, let's end with a little Sox talk. Um, I know you had some, some interesting things you wanted to talk about. Uh, we can start maybe with last night. Um, I didn't get to watch this, and I know you're going to try to fill me in. Um, it looks like, well, I think Lance, Lance Lynn was ejected last night from, you know, the one during, uh, um, you know, go, just go ahead and explain. What, what yeah, happened. so Lance Lynn was tossed for the first time in his career, which I was actually shocked to learn considering how fiery he gets on the mound. And I could just see him, you know, cursing out an umpire without a problem. And that's right. what he did last <laughs> night eventually. So uh, if you, if you aren't an MLB guy, um, the, they've been really cracking down on the foreign substance on the, on the hats, the, the, the gloves, the belt, anything. So Lance Lynn did not have his stuff last night. He got out of a couple jams. He was pumped coming off the mound and, pumped and also frustrated at the same time if that makes sense so he yeah. was he was going in to talk to the pitching coach who happened to be in the clubhouse I believe at the time so he was about to go down the stairs and the umpire they made a they've been so weird about this check process to begin with um, they were supposed to meet guys on the foul line and now they've kind of moved it back towards the dugout and Lanson was already inside the dugout and then the umpire comes down the steps or close to him and he's like hey like I need to check your belt and Lance is, is pissed off and he because he had a bad inning and what his stuff isn't working. So and kind of an asshole way, he takes off his belt, throws it in proximity to the umpire, doesn't hit him. But then the umpire got his feelings hurt, as Lance quote, Lance Lynn was quoted as saying last night and then tossed Lynn immediately. So um, I, I wasn't an overreaction for the umpire. I think so. I mean, you can't do that as the as Lance Lynn. But. Um, that's just the kind of the way he is. He was only going to pitch one inning more, maybe any, not really a big deal to me. I just hope he doesn't get a suspension, but with, uh, with the clown show that Rob Manfred likes to run sometimes, it wouldn't surprise me. You can't throw your belt at the umpire Mason. It's just the way it works. Well, it was just in in the general direction. I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I see both sides. I see both sides to most things. I think it was a, it was a knee-jerk reaction, but it'd be different if it was like in the second inning. But Len might have been coming out in the next inning anyway, so I don't really care. Hey, and before before we move on to some of the other uh, White Sox stuff you want to talk about, uh, I am currently watching the uh, the Double A, uh, the Tennessee Smokies play right now, and they are playing the White Sox affiliate as well. And the Cubs do have a one-up in the Double A standards, if if you care. I don't. Um, I'm you, focused on the major league roster. I know you're not with oh, yours because okay. it's depressing. But uh, oh, to so, the White Sox haters that say that they can't beat any teams over 500, they just took 304 from the A's. So pound sand. Hey, I'm just saying if we're talking, if we're talking right now, Cubs Sox. I'm taking Cubs Double A. I'm just saying. Hey, well, you take your wins when you can get them. Fair enough. Fair enough. What else? Uh, what else we got, uh, Sox wise? Well, um, Yuan Mankata has been struggling, but the whole team as a whole has been doing really well. Abreu's hitting bombs. Andrew Vaughn rakes. Um, Eloy's batting like over 400 since he's been back. Uh, Luis Roberts finally hitting his stride. So this team is really starting to put it together at the right time. Uh, Larusa is kind of sitting guys randomly 
um, get, just getting them rest, making sure it's, it's almost like a load management kind of thing that the NBA does, which is kind of lame. But when you have like a 15 game lead in your division, I get it. So uh, like, t- like Tim Anderson sat today and the Sox lost, not a big deal. Um, but yeah. And then Grandal's hitting bombs in AAA. I think he'll be back next week. Hopefully I don't see him catch too much. Keep that knee healthy. It's all about getting the squad fully healthy and in, in a good groove heading into late September and October. So I'm just looking forward to the playoffs and, uh, I know you're not, but that's okay. I'm looking forward to the double-A playoffs, Mason. I mean, that's what's important, ultimately. <laughs> actually, just looking at their record, I'm not sure they're making the double-A playoffs. <laughs> um, actually, in reality, I don't, I, actually, I don't think there are um, playoffs this year in, in minor league baseball. I know there's not in triple-A, um, and that's kind of where I do most of my work with, but uh, I wouldn't surprise me if there is no uh, – there is nothing in the uh, – um, you know, in the, in the lower ranks as well. But, uh, but no, I mean, like, go, echoing what you were saying in regards to the Sox, I mean, it, it, it goes back to what you said last week on the podcast. You know, there nothing meaningful right now for the Sox until October comes. Um, so, so resting these guys, you know, making sure, making sure the team's fully healthy, but then maybe ramping it back up, you know, a couple of weeks before the season ends, just to make sure they're in a groove, um, and, and they're not going and struggling. There's been so many times you see these teams where, you know, maybe they were the best team in baseball the entire season, or at least one of, but then they struggle the last couple of weeks of the season for one reason or another, they're sitting guys that are resting guys, whatever. And then that carries over into the playoffs and then they lose first round or, or they, they maybe don't make it to the, you know, to the, to the championship series or the world series when that was a team that probably on a talent scale should have. Um, so as long as the Sox are grooving, you know, you know, late September, you know, I don't see any issues for them in the playoffs, but uh, but no, I mean, what they're doing right now is probably the smart thing. Yeah, I'm hoping to avoid that kind of crash when it comes to the playoffs. You got to, I mean, I wasn't the biggest fan of the Larusa hire initially, but I mean, he's right now he's proven to me that he knows what he's doing as far as managing a roster, managing a bullpen, and getting the team across the line, and then hopefully, hopefully bringing a World Series back to the the right side, the south side of Chicago. So I got got to trust Larusa at this point. Yeah, no, I was telling you, he's been there, done that. I mean, he might be a little old school, like you mentioned, but uh, I mean, I'm sure when it comes to, you know, comes to the playoffs and stuff like that, he's he's definitely some someone you want on your side overall. And like like I said, he's he's been around the block, so um, yeah, I don't think he's going to hurt your team in any way per se. No, he's a great strategist, but I mean, would it? I don't I don't know. Would it kill him to shift once in a while? He he's very stuck in his ways, but I mean, they're usually right, so I'll I'll take it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, there you have it, folks. I mean, a little shorter podcast today. It looks like we went about 30, 40, uh, 30, 40 minutes. Um, I got work. I got to get back to. I know Mason uh, has a bachelor party this weekend. So we want to That's right. make sure we kind of don't don't get too drunk. Mason, I know you're nearly no. 21. So be careful. I will. There. I will provide a full review next week. So that should be entertaining. Perfect. Perfect. And speaking of next week, we're hoping to maybe have our first guest um, on the pod, we sort of broke that news last week in regards to who, who our first or what our how big our first guest will be, and we think it's going to be a pretty big one. Uh, hoping to have that next week. Um, obviously, more Notre Dame, more Sox, more Cubs talk. Maybe we'll sneak in a few. Uh, um, fa- we'll start talking a little fantasy football as well. Um, with with that on the horizon. Actually, I think my fantasy, my redraft fantasy football draft is next Saturday, um, so I can give you a little preview into who I'm looking at there. Um, but very uh, nice. I'll but, have two drafts before our next show, so I'll be able to. I'll read off my team, and maybe you, maybe 
the the listeners can critique me, I'm sure you will be able to too. So I'm 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 prepared to get bullied. Awesome. Awesome. And speaking of critiques, guys, again, thanks for thanks for tuning in. Check me and Mason both out on Twitter. We're probably going to end up with a uh, with a Golden Homers uh, Twitter handle here soon, uh, just to make it easier for you guys to follow. Um, but again, check us out on Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, soon to be on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rate. Give us a follow. Uh, give us uh, give us a review. Even let us know what you guys want us to talk about on the show, um, and, and we will make sure that we uh, we listen to you guys. And one. Uh, we won't, we will, we'll definitely be taking some questions on the show as well. So Mason, again, you know, love you, brother. Thanks for, thanks for, uh, for tuning in guys.